from the birthplace of radio's greatest era. Now, from New York, it's Radio Night Live with Kevin McCullough. Unlike anything else on radio today, it's a front row seat for great information with today's leading experts. Travel with a third generation travel icon, Linda Perillo. The Fox News Medical All-Stars featuring Dr. Mark Siegel, Dr. Marty McCary, Dr. Jeanette Nishwat, and the OG, Dr. Nicole Sapphire. Legal analysis from former prosecutor and court journalism superstar Imran Ansari and Christine Nicholas. The quintessential heartbeat, the New York hospitality, all Joining legendary broadcast pro Kevin McCullough on a mission unlike any other. United to bring back New York. Now, live from Studio 111, here's Kevin McCullough. Well, Kevin McCullough, glad to have you with us. Thank you for being here and um, so grateful uh, for each person. And I don't know if you uh, caught... The coverage as the uh, debate uh, unfolded last night, my home station here, AM 970, The Answer, uh, had the uh, debate uh, stem to stern. And our very own uh, Hugh Hewitt did an admirable job of asking some pointed questions that I think needed to be uh, answered. Uh, many of the same questions he's asked on his own show of some of those candidates as they've been on uh, from time to time. Uh, but I, I, I find it interesting that the position I had last night, which was anchoring the 8 to 10 coverage on the Salem News Channel, uh, g- gave me a unique perspective that I did not expect to, to get when when we were preempting uh, my Radio Night Live show here on the radio. Uh, Salem News Channel called and said, can you can you host the 8 to 10 t- uh, TV hours for us? And so I said, yeah. And what Salem News Channel did during the debate that NBC had the TV rights to was we did preview coverage going up to the debate. Then during the debate itself, we cut to the alternate event, which was the live Trump speech 15 miles away from the debate. And then when we were done with that and the analysis there, I kicked it back to Mike Gallagher back in Miami, and he picked up the spin room coverage from there. And what was interesting about that was that as I'm looking through the numbers today, the numbers for NBC were not good. The The debate did not catch fire last night. And I know a lot of people that were in attendance, uh, friends of mine, strong conservatives that were in attendance at the debate, uh, the room where the debate was held had about maybe 2,200 people that it could seat. President Trump packed a football stadium in Hialeah, Florida, 15 miles down the road, and had 10 times that amount show up for his live speech. Um, he also brought out Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who not only introduced him but endorsed him prior to his speech. Um, and there's a lot of people that are saying she might make the kind of ideal vice presidential candidate uh, for Trump. They were they were saying this while Nikki Haley was, in some pundits' minds, competing for the vice presidential slot on stage at the debate. Now, here's how this is going to go down, friends. And I'm, I'm not confused about this at all. Um, Nikki Haley is not going to be part of the administration. If she is, she's not going to be a part of the immediate administration as it comes in. There may be some forgiveness and well wishes after all the dust settles. That may change. She she would make a, a formidable partner in the Trump administration. She was a great U.N. ambassador. 
But she's not going to get the VP slot because she had said she wouldn't run against him, and then she jumped in. So President Trump, former president, seems to uh, not be inclined to, you know, go with people that break their word. He just <laughs> it's a thing that bugs him. And who, who can blame him? I, no, there's a lot of people like that, um, and I don't think that it's uh, a bad thing. But it's interesting that my friend Mary Catherine Ham, writing for FoxNews.com today, uh, drew this observation. She had an opinion piece, and she said, The big winner of the Republican debate in Miami last night was, and this was the word she used, consolidation. She said that Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis showed why they are kind of head and shoulders above everybody else. And then she kind of just dismissed uh, Chris Christie and Tim Scott kind of out of hand. They just weren't impressive. They didn't break through. They didn't. There was not a serious uh, impact in any way to the race by what they had to say or do last night. Vivek Ramaswamy, while he had a lot of momentum coming out of the first debate, it appears that he is... He is just eating himself to, for lunch um, and doesn't seem to be aware of it. Last night had a, not a good performance and many, many critics um, today saying that he's just he's just not done himself any favors. And if you look at the overall numbers, um, Donald Trump was at 55 percent going into the first debate. Ron DeSantis was at 40 for, was at 14 percent going into the first debate. Nikki Haley was at 2 percent going into the first debate. Uh, Ramaswamy was third at 7%. Pence was fourth at 4%. Going into last night, Trump was up to 59% in the polls. Uh, DeSantis was still second at 14%. Zero movement since the first debate till now on, on his part. But Nikki Haley had gone from 2% to nearly 10%. So it is, I think Mayor Catherine Hamm is right that those two are the ones that are now really competing for that number two slot. And to be honest, I just don't think it matters. I, I, I think what's going to happen, and I could be wrong, I reserve the right to be wrong, but I think what's going to happen is that uh, Trump is going to win in Iowa. He's going to win in New Hampshire. He's going to win in South Carolina. He's going to win in Florida, and by the time they go to Super Tuesday in the on the fifth or sixth um, election contest, he's going to win the majority of those states. And I, I don't, I just think after South Carolina, there's no reason for anybody else to be in the race anymore at that point. If you haven't broken through, and I mean, and I don't mean come in the top three. If there's only five people still in the race, getting in the top three is not that big of a deal, especially if Trump is is taking the majority of the shares at more than fifty percent. I really think the more useful thing for conservatives and for Republicans who really want to see the issues addressed that they all care about, they all care about the economy, they all care about national security, they all care about parents' rights, they all care about making sure that America is made stronger, not weaker, before our enemies. They all care about that. I think that if they really do care about the welfare of the country, that if not a single one of them have broken through by South Carolina, they all drop out. And I say, that's it. You know, no further. In 16, it was different because Ted Cruz won Iowa. He uh, came in a very close second in South Carolina. So he had one and a half of the top three in his pocket. He had a reason to keep going, to keep campaigning. These guys don't. They're not getting anywhere near. And, and in fact, they're slipping. If, if 
Trump was at 55% and DeSantis was at 14%. That's a 41-point swing uh, to open the first debate with. If Trump's up to 59% and DeSantis is still at 14%, he's going the wrong direction. He's losing ground just standing still. So that's – and I, I thought – the Salem crew did a great job. The pregame with Mike Gallagher, Hugh Hewitt on NBC, uh, Andrew Wilkow, uh, what we did for the speech, the, the spin room after. It was really good stuff. I was really proud of Salem Media and for everything that we uh, put forward last night on the radio side. I thought it sounded great as well. Um, it was just, it's just, I just think it's an exercise in futility at this point. And I hope that people begin to understand that. My only, my only kind of, um, struggle with Mary, uh, Catherine Ham's piece at foxnews.com is that she kind of intimates that there's a chance that Nikki Haley or Ron DeSantis could break through. And friends, there's no chance. There is zero chance. Th- this incumbent, and that's really how he's running, the man who should have still been president, he's, he's the strongest candidate I've seen in his position ever in the modern era. It'd be interesting to see. All right, coming up, we've got uh, Professor um, Alan Dershowitz in for Imran Ansari tonight. It's uh, Legal Night on Radio Night Live. I hope you'll stay right here. For 25 years, Invite Health has been leading the way in wellness with our extensive line of dietary supplements. With our brand new state-of-the-art website, we now offer new everyday low prices. Save even more with our brand new subscription plan. Stay tuned to learn about new and exciting offers and services. Remember, free shipping on orders over $35. We have made it our business to support you in your health journey. From everyday health tips to detailed genetic testing, Invite Health has a team of experts to help you achieve your health goals. Reach out to us now to speak to one of our nutrition experts or to schedule a consult by calling 800-673-2345. That's 800-673-2345. Or go to invitehealth.com. Contact Invite Health today to learn more about getting healthy and staying healthy. 800-673-2345. Or go to invitehealth.com. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. All right, Kevin McCullough, glad to have you with us. And every week I promise you that uh, Mike Connors of Connors and Sullivan will answer one of your real-life questions. And, Michael, this week's question comes from Agnes in Brooklyn. What is the best way to leave my money to my church when I die? Mike Connors. Okay, well, there are a lot of different ways to do it. One, you can leave it through your will. The problem with that, your will would have to go through probate. One, you could make a gift through your trust, which I think is the most efficient way to do it and the best way to do it. Now, you can leave your church as a beneficiary on your bank accounts or your IRAs or things like that. And actually, it's a very good idea to leave your IRAs to leave your church as beneficiary because the church won't have to pay income tax on the IRA. So there are a lot of different ways to get there. The thing is, you need somebody in charge who's going to get the money from you after you're gone to the church. So that's the question. Who's going to be in charge? Yeah. And whether it's a relative, whether it's somebody from the church, whether it's somebody from a law firm, but you know, that's, that's going to be the hard question. Then we figure out how we get it to them. 
Well, that's tremendous. Um, and Agnes, I hope that's helpful for you. If you've got similar questions, uh, any questions about what you want to leave for people, contact Connors and Sullivan. They are the law firm that all other law firms point to when they say these are the people you need to deal with, with your trust, your wills, your end of life, your estate care, all that stuff. Connors and Sullivan, the premier law firm in the New York area to handle all of that. Here's their phone number, 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. The McCulloughs have had all of our end of life uh, work done with uh, Connors and Sullivan, and we we vouch for everything that I say here wholeheartedly 718-238-6500 and then be listening as mike connors answers more of your questions saturday mornings at 8 on am 570 and 102.3 fm the mission wmca and sunday morning starting at 11 on am 970 the answer mike connors as always thank you so much thank you kevin listen to us online at am 970 the tune in iheart alexa or odyssey.com Dennis Prager explains a glaring difference. As I have said, and I'm not the only one, the primary difference between Hamas and the Nazis, since both wish to exterminate the Jews, one of Israel, one of Europe, the biggest difference is that the Nazis tried to hide what they did, whereas Hamas wants it publicized. The Dennis Prager Show, weekdays at 1, right before Sebastian Gorka at 3, on AM 970. The answer our host, tell them like it is. No safe spaces here. AM 970, the answer. Of all the boys, boys, boys. And now boys, from boys, New York, boys, boys, back to Radio Night Live. Here's Kevin boys. McCullough. All right, Kevin McCullough, glad to have you with us. Uh, normally, Imran Ansari, my uh, co- my legal co-host uh, and counterpart on these legal nights, he's actually out of the country with his partner, Arthur Idala. They're working on a very important uh, case. And is sitting in his place uh, for a few minutes here is uh, Professor Alan Dershowitz, who, of course, is the uh, uh, chairman emeritus of all constitutional law in all of North America, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Professor, it's always good to have you. Thank you for being here. Before I'm happy to be there, yeah. Before we talk some legal stuff, I want to know your thoughts on how the proceedings in Israel are going from your perspective. Well, in Israel and in the Gaza, they're going the way they ought to be going. Gaza is in the process of being annihilated. The problem is that in the United States on college campuses, um, we're seeing rampant anti-Semitism in the guise of anti-Zionism. We're seeing claims that Israel is committing genocide. There are videotapes of Israeli soldiers accompanying civilians from Gaza, helping them walk and drive and take uh, 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 carts uh, from the north to the south and putting putting them in areas where they're safe. And that's certainly anything but genocide. So uh, Israel is winning the war on the battlefield, but unfortunately it's... Uh, it's, it's losing the war against anti-Semitism on college and university campuses. And of course, scratch an anti-Semite or an anti-Zionist and you'll find an anti-American. And so a lot of this is really an attack on American values, on Judeo-Christian values, on Western democracy. And, uh, Israel's fighting not only for its own survival, but I think for the survival of decency and humanity considering what happened to 1,400 Israeli civilians plus 241 who are being held in captivity today as hostages. I want to ask you about the um, 
the protests here because these have bothered me more than anything else. And yeah. it's not just yourself. I have a number of Jewish friends that are contributors to my shows and we, we yeah. are deep and dear friends, even though I'm an evangelical and, uh, they practice Judaism, but Israel is a common love to both of us. And so this is just something that's very passionate. But when, when I see the, outrageous hostilities that have been tolerated on these college campuses and not just there uh professor last week in in brooklyn on the streets two weeks ago a massive sunday night thing got together i mean these are not small yeah. gatherings it, well these seem- are somewhat yeah these are just like the gatherings that used to occur in my current neighborhood um at yorkville yorktown around second avenue where there used to be a hundred thousand americans uh cheering for hitler and uh and doing Heil Hitlers and wearing wearing uh swastikas. Those were Americans in nineteen thirty eight, nineteen thirty nine. Mm. They filled Madison Square Garden with Heil Hitler salutes. And so uh it's not surprising. Students have been on the wrong side of so many battles. Uh they supported Hitler, they supported Stalin, uh they supported the Ayatollahs. Um and so just because they're students doesn't mean right. that uh they have anything to say that we should listen to. These are the modern version of Hitler Youth. Uh, they're just taking orders. Uh, they're ignorant. But let me ask you this. From a legal perspective, is there anything that we peace-loving, Israel-loving citizens can do to shut these protests down? Or would you discourage us from thinking that way? I don't think they should be shut down. I think the same rules should apply as universities, for example, would apply to a Ku Klux Klan uh, uh, demonstration in favor of lynching blacks or a sexist demonstration in favor of raping women or a homophobic demonstration in favor of shooting gays. That's the criteria that ought to be used. If you allow that, then you have to allow anti-Israel um, demonstrations as well. But if you would ban, if you would ban these other racist and sexist uh, statements, then, you know, you have to. You have to apply the but same the standards to anti-Jewish statements. Yeah. The difference in this day and age, though, is that the Ku Klux Klan is so distasteful, Americans won't go near it. The other yeah. protests that you, you mentioned are so distasteful. Why aren't Americans understanding the vileness of what these demonstrations are advocating for? A lot of them do. A lot, a lot of people do. And a lot of people are disgusted. I know, I know friends of mine whose own children are participating in these demonstrations. Mm. And they're disgusted and they're revolted. What can they do? It's their children. Uh, that's the problem. The problem is that there are so many people who are otherwise decent uh, human beings who uh, who think that Israelis are, are somehow less than human. I mean, we have a deep, deep-seated problem of not understanding the difference between good and evil. Yeah. And uh, um, it goes deeper than the Israeli conflict. It's going to tell us what kind of a country we're going to be. Uh, in 10, 15 years from now when these uh, Hitler youth are running our country. It's a very frightening prospect. Let me ask you about the regional issue because something that we're hearing in a lot of the national security circles is that obviously Iran has played a a big part in funding Hamas and making sure that they had weapons and everything else. Um, Iran has nuclear capacity. Joe Biden is is begging, pleading on his knees, begging us to get back into the uh, nuclear deal. Um, yeah. There is this idea that they can be reasoned with and be brought to the table, yeah. but the Russians are the ones doing the negotiation. So, how do we? How, from your perspective, and if you had your wish list, how would we deal with Iran going forward? 
Well, that's very simple. I would uh, make sure that once this conflict in Gaza is cleared up, that the Israeli Air Force, with the logistical support of the United States, uh, destroys Iran's nuclear capacity. Because if you think Iran is bad today and they're the worst exporter of terrorism around the world, imagine them with a nuclear umbrella, with a nuclear arsenal. So Israel and the United States together have to destroy Iran's capacity. And there's every good reason for doing it. Iran started this war. Iran, Iran is pushing this war. And uh, Israel and, United, and Iran is killing American and, and, and wounding American soldiers right. in the process. And the United States has every right, um, a much greater right than they had in Iraq and in Afghanistan, to go after Iran. You don't need a ground war. All you need is Surgical the Air strikes. Force to destroy the uh, reactor. You need bunker bombs. Uh, Israeli intelligence essentially knows where these uh, atomic facilities are. Now, some of them are probably buried under hospitals. And so that's going to pose again the problem of collateral damage when enemies put their nuclear weapons uh, under hospitals. How does a democracy respond? Very difficult. Very, uh, very true. Um, let me just ask you uh, last question on Israel. Sure. The. Um the idea that they can handle Hamas one-on-one is not a problem. There is yeah. this, since the protests have gathered steam across the globe, not just here in the country, you've seen even the Biden administration kind of inch away a little bit from its very strong support initially. Are you concerned at all that we get worn down and somehow lose the determination to stand with Israel as strongly as we need to? And what happens if Israel does lose America? Well, that has uh, happened in the past. Uh, it happened in the Yom Kippur War, where Israel had the entire Egyptian army surrounded, and the United States made them uh, give the army an opportunity to go back to uh, to Egypt. Um, the United States is always putting pressure on Israel, uh, more pressure than they put on themselves during the Iraq, Afghanistan, and other other wars. And Israel has no choice but to comply with American pressure. So I am concerned. I think there has to be pressure on the U.S. administration by those of us who support Israel to let Israel do what it has to do in terms of Hamas, in terms of Hezbollah, and ultimately in terms of Iran. You know, the best guarantee of peace in the Middle East is no Iran. No Hezbollah, no Hamas. And then a two-state solution will be possible. Yeah, no, that's well said. All right, Professor Alan Dershowitz is with us. We're going to shift gears and move to legal stuff next, but I wanted to get his insight on Israel. Stay here. With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters reporting. Astronaut Frank Borman has died at the age of 95 at his home in Montana. He's perhaps best known as the commander of Apollo 8 circling the moon in 1968. On Christmas Eve, the astronauts read from the book of Genesis in a live telecast from the orbiter. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was out form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Borman ended the broadcast with, and from the crew of Apollo 8, we close with good night, good luck, a Merry Christmas, and God bless all of you. Frank Borman dead at the age of 95. On Wall Street, the Dow down by 220 points, the NASDAQ dropping by 128, the S&P 500 losing 35, and oil up 41 cents to 75.74 a barrel. This is SRN News. 
Sponsored by Route 22 Toyota Service Department. If you're tired of dealing with dummies, go experience the smart way to service your Toyota. Calling all patriots. Are you ready for the adventure of a lifetime? Journey with me on the Patriots Alaska cruise in June 2024. We'll dive deep into geopolitical trends and unpack the influences shaping the world today. It's an incredible opportunity to engage with me and other patriots on an epic seven-day journey. Witness the untouched wilderness of Alaska while discussing America's future. Join us from June 29th to July 6, 2024. Book online, patriotsalaskacruise.com. Want more of AM970 The Answer and our hosts? Then interact with us. Follow us on Twitter for breaking news, what's coming up on the radio, thoughts from our hosts, deals from our advertisers, and more. Our handle is at AM970 The Answer. Come on, tweet with us. Cats and Cosby, weeknights at 5 on AM970 The Answer. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. I'm super excited about the conversation I just had with Alex Kinsella over at Route 22 Toyota. He was catching me up on the landscape of the automotive industry, and i got to tell you, he really seems to have it figured out. Alex and his entire team over at Route 22 Toyota in Hillside, New Jersey, makes the entire car shopping experience easy. He let me know that while inventory levels are far from perfect, they finally got a nice selection of new cars over at Route 22 Toyota, including RAV4 and Highlanders. Plus, they're holding inventory for local New Jersey residents versus selling them to people calling from out of state. Call Route 22 Toyota at 973-705-8905 and let the team show you one of the area's largest selections of new Toyota vehicles. And be sure to check out their huge selection of pre-owned and Toyota certified used vehicles while you're there. That's 973-705-8905. And remember to tell them that Joe Piscopo sent you. All right, Kevin McCullough, glad to have you with us. Thank you for listening to this station and for caring about the world around you. It's one of the reasons why we exist at Salem Communications. And in our New York radio stations, every year, we welcome back our friends, Food for the Poor. Paul Jacobs is here. And, Paul, we're helping countries like Guatemala and Haiti and children that live there. Why? Well, the basic reason is because these are children just like your children that need help, that do not eat every day. These are parents just like you that care about how their children is raised and don't have to worry anymore of how they're going to keep a roof over their children's head. They're going to provide them an education and give them food to eat. That that can be answered with one act of generosity. Call 855-919-4673, 855-919-4673. You can also give online at am970theanswer.com, but the easiest way is just to call, 855-919-4673. Breaking news and local news. Find it on our website, am970theanswer.com. And now, from New York, back to Radio Night Live. And we're back. It's legal night uh, here on Radio Night Live. Normally, Imran Ansari is sitting in the chair next to me, but he's out of the country on a very big assignment with his boss, uh, Arthur Idala. And I know that my my special guest has fond affection for both of those guys. So, uh, Professor, we're glad to have you here with us tonight. Um, Except I want to make one correction. Arthur's not. Arthur is not Imran's boss. Uh, (laughs) Arthur Arthur and Imran are very equal. Great partners, great law firm. 
and uh, they do great work together. I, um, we can't, we we kind of joke about that around these parts, but you're right. I don't want to give the wrong impression. Uh, Imran is the actual head of the civil litigation for all of <laughs> Idala, uh, Bertuna, and Kamen. So good, good guys, and we love both yeah. of them uh, greatly. Professor, um, obviously the election cycle has begun, and last night was the third GOP debate in the cycle for 2024, and the 23 elections happened the night before, and the president, the former president, who is likely the front runner, he continues to increase his lead, has been tied up with a civil case in New York City over stuff that I, I'm having a hard time understanding where the victim uh, was found in this supposed crime that uh, Tish James has filed. Oh, there, there is a victim. There is a clear victim. The victim is Donald Trump. He is the victim of a campaign slogan. I named my book after a campaign slogan, uh, Get Trump. And, uh, and then you have her claiming that the reason she's after the Trump administration is they're too male, too pale, and too stale. That's in one statement. She has shown that she is a sexist, a racist, and an ageist. Imagine if somebody campaigned for office against a black candidate saying he's too black, uh, she's too much of a woman, and she's too young. Uh, people don't do that. And so he's the victim of what is clearly, clearly a gotcha-type a proceeding, and she has an ally. He's called a judge. Uh, he wears a robe, but he's not been judging. He's been prosecuting. Well, and let me ask you uh, the kind of next stages here. Obviously, that's going to that proceeding is going to wrap up within the next few days at some point. Um, it's yeah. likely that this judge has already kind of tipped his hand in terms of uh, where he might be leaning. And you tipped his hand. <laughs> I'm, I'm being I'm trying to be diplomatic, Professor. But he said he said to. Well, when his law clerk, you can't say that. Yeah. Anybody can file any motion. He, he changed his mind. But this is not a trial. This To call it a kangaroo court, to really... It's an insult to kangaroos. Um, this is such a horrible uh, display of partisanship, of election interference, and of everything that's wrong with our criminal justice system. The weaponization of civil justice in this case against a candidate to try to affect the election it's just unacceptable and americans shouldn't shouldn't accept it well let me ask you because of that chris christie one of his rivals said in the debate last night look who do you want to vote for someone who's able to concentrate on the problems of the country or someone who's going to be defending himself in court for the next year now there's there's no doubt that the, that the trump team is going to have to focus on his legal issues but it seems to me that that's not entirely uh, a choice of Donald Trump's making, and I think that's kind of a cheap shot by by Chris Christie. Oh, where do you, no question where do you see that. the election at right now? Well, I think he gets the nomination. I think Biden, if the good Lord gives him the strength to uh, be healthy and be vibrant, it'll be Trump versus Biden. And although the recent polls show Trump ahead, my own guess is that uh, Trump will not be able to gather enough votes to put him over the top, but nobody knows. I mean, these uh, these get Trump um, extremists are actually pushing people into the Trump camp, so they're defeating their own goals. But I'm not a political analyst, so you know I can't make a valid prediction. I can tell you about the law. There will be convictions in these cases, and there will be a finding against Trump in the civil case, but probably some of them will be reversed on appeal. But the appeals will come only after the election. And will not have an influence on the election, whereas these trials 
may very well constitute election interference. Right. And by that, um, I want to I want to understand the legal component here. If he's found guilty in one or more of these uh, circumstances, does is there is is the sentencing something that would be carried out prior to the finishing of the election in November of 24 from the timetable that you could best judge this by? Yes, I think so. But if he's, say, convicted in Georgia and sentenced to prison, which he has to be if he's convicted of RICO, uh, they would not require the sentence to be served almost certainly until after the election. Then if he wins the election, it becomes really difficult how do you serve a sentence by moving the Oval Office into a federal prison. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen, but it's possible. Well, it's going to be certainly something that his team is going to appeal. When we come back for our last segment, I'd like to get your assessment of how the Trump legal team is performing from your perspective. Obviously, someone who's very skilled at it. Stay with us. It's uh, Legal Night on Radio Night Live. Hi, Kevin McCullough. I've been talking about the court reporting program at Plaza College for some time now. Well, Plaza College has been around since 1916, and not only do they have the School of Court Reporting, but they have four other schools of study, including their new School of Nursing. The Accelerated Bachelor of Science in Nursing program can be completed in just 16 months. And I'd like to offer congratulations to the first graduating cohort of nursing students. This first cohort began with 20 students, and 18 successfully completed the program. What an accomplishment. Plaza also has a dental hygiene program with a 20-chair community clinic. Students work on live patients under the supervision of a dentist. It's incredible. I saw it myself. For additional information regarding the programs I mentioned or Plaza's other areas of study, like their School of Business or Paralegal Studies or School of Allied Health, email info at plazacollege.edu. That's info at plazacollege.edu. Both houses of Congress are considering legislation that will impact your favorite talk shows and news updates. The AM Radio for Every Vehicle Act would ensure that auto manufacturers won't eliminate AM radio from future car models. Over 80 million Americans, men and women like you and me, depend on AM radio for news, severe weather updates, vigorous debates on talk shows, and local information that is essential for public safety. When a disaster strikes or lives are threatened by wildfires in places like Maui, AM radio is often the only lifeline a community has. You have the power to make a real difference. The AM Radio for Every Vehicle Act is H.R. 3413 in the U.S. House and Senate Bill 1669 in the U.S. Senate. Please contact your senator and your congressman asking them to support this vital legislation to keep AM radio in American cars now and forever. The AM Radio for Every Vehicle Act. Act today. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. Call in to the Joe Piscopo Show and let your voice be heard. Hey, let me go to Tom and Boca Raton. Your show is, in my opinion, the great American story. Joe Piscopo's father, the family, Al, everybody in your show. You guys put together a team. I love your show. Everybody's beautiful. We're very fortunate to have a great American story. Joe Piscopo. Uh, Joe Piscopo. Weekday mornings from 6 to 10 on AM 970. The Answer. Hi, Kevin McCullough. It's hard to believe, but the holidays will be here before we know it. 
So why not make them truly memorable this year on board the Atlantis yacht with New York Cruises? Captain Fred and the amazing New York Cruises staff go above and beyond with absolutely every detail. Whether you've been put in charge of planning the office Christmas party or looking to do something exciting for the holidays, why not take the party off land and onto sea? Call 212-633-1231 or visit NewYorkCruises.com and see how Captain Fred and his first-class yacht crew will make your special occasion an unforgettable day. The Atlantis of New York Cruises is the perfect venue for corporate events, weddings, engagement, and anniversary parties, reunions, retirement parties, birthdays, bar, bat mitzvahs, you name it. Call 212-633-1231 to book your unforgettable event today. Or visit NewYorkCruises.com. That's 212-633-1231 or NewYorkCruises.com. America First with Sebastian Gorka. Weekday afternoons at 3 and evenings at 10 on AM 970. The answer. Ooh, what a little moonlight can do. Back to Kevin McCullough, live from New York. Ooh. And we're back. So glad to have Professor Alan Dershowitz with us again. I'm sad, uh, Professor, that it only occurs when Imran's gone. Like, it would be fun to have you here uh, with sure. him. Um we're talking about the Trump legal situation, and of course, this is something that's obsessing his time, while he's also trying to think about how he wants to help save the country from the impending crises that are uh, encroaching at our door, seems like, on every, uh, on every, from every direction. Um, how good of a legal team does he have around him? And from your perspective, their strategies, uh, in the different cases as you've been able to best assess, which it's still early in most of them. Um, are they pursuing the types of strategies that you would advise them to? Well, uh, it depends on what their goal is. If their goal is to win the case in front of the trial judge, uh, first of all, it's an impossible goal. It can't be done. Uh, then they wouldn't be pursuing the right strategy. But if their goal is to win in the court of public opinion and to uh, create a basis for appeal, then it is the right strategy. I'm thinking a little about a case I was involved in before many of you were born, the Chicago 7 case in the late 1960s, early 1970s, where it was clear that Judge Julius Hoffman would be ruling in every possible way against the defendants. And the lawyers came up with a strategy of confrontation to kind of provoke Hoffman into making error after error, which he did. And then I was one of the people on the appellate defense team. And we used those errors to get both the conviction and the contempt reversed. And uh, so it was a successful strategy. It depends on what the goals are. And I think they see this as a political case. And as a political case, they're handling it in a political way. And that seems to be an acceptable approach when you have a judge who has clearly, clearly made up his mind before he saw any, any, uh, heard any testimony. Well, I found it interesting that he put a gag order on not just Trump, but on his legal team. And then Letitia yeah. James is allowed to go to her social media page and do five to ten minute rants about the trial every day without opposition. I mean, it's like there seems to be a double standard at work there. There is. And she holds press conferences, may express statements. Uh, even before the testimony begins, uh, trying to put uh, a slant on the testimony that's to come, and then she runs out of the courtroom and and puts uh, a, her slant on the testimony that occurred. Look, for her, this is political. She has to win this case to get reelected. She promised to get Trump, and if she doesn't get Trump, she can't uh, be reelected. And so, you know, no no prosecutor should ever ever run for office on the promise of getting somebody. That's 
That's Stalin and Lavrenti Beria when Beria said to Stalin, I wanna, find me the, show me the man and I'll find you the crime. Yeah. I want to come back kind of full circle to where we started. Uh, two days ago, um, Hillary Clinton, who I know that um, you have a personal relationship with and right. uh, you voted for, I believe. I believe I've heard yeah. you say that on the record. Yeah. Um, she said while on The View that um, she believes that Trump could win re-election and she was warning people that that's dangerous. And then she did. And then she said this, because consider that Hitler was duly elected. I'm just wondering how does that how does that hit the ears of moderate Democrats and independents when we're seeing the struggles that we're seeing on the global stage right now for someone to invoke that imagery? It's a mistake. It's wrong. I like Hillary. She's a friend. And she made some very positive statements about Israel. But to compare Donald Trump to Hitler is absurd. And, um, you know, the point she makes is a correct one. Uh, bad people have run elections. Uh, we long used to win elections, uh, races to the South won elections. Uh, that's the cost of democracy. Right. And, uh, you know, Hitler never won an election. He got 32% of the vote. Um, and he was placed into the chancellorship by uh, a doddering old fool. Uh, uh, but then he became popular. And he could have probably won re-election, much the way Hamas would today win elections in the Gaza. So don't talk to me about totally innocent you know, 40-year-old civilians in Gaza cheered uh, when, when they heard about rapes and, and beheadings. They're on a continuum of guilt or innocence, and they're awfully close to the guilt part of it. There's a tape recording that's been released of a Hamas uh, terrorist who had just killed 10 Jews, children, right. and, and women with the bare hands, and bragged about it to his father. And his father was cheering him on, saying, what a wonderful thing you did killing all those Jews. Are either of them innocent? No. They're not innocent. They're like the Nazis who cheered Hitler at the Nuremberg rallies. And so I don't shed tears for those civilians. I do shed tears, obviously, for three-year-olds and four-year-olds who were used as human shields by Hamas. But, you know, you know the law enough to know that if I take you as a hostage and shoot from behind you and then the police try to shoot, uh, try to shoot me, I'm the hostage taker, and instead they kill the hostage... We know what the law is. The policeman isn't guilty. Right. The person guilty is the person who held the hostage. And so Hamas is responsible for every single one of the deaths in Gaza, whether they be children or babies or women or anyone else. So place the responsibility where it belongs. I, I couldn't agree more. And I really do sense that as those videos get out, showing the IDF helping to shield the Gazans that are trying to escape, you know, it's it's just insane to hear that a governing uh, party would be shooting its own people as it's trying to leave a country that is plagued by war. And yet that's that's what was going on. And without the IDF dropping pamphlets and forming these kind of human tunnels where they can get out, I mean, there would be many more dead right now due to direct violence from Hamas. Well, Israel cares more about Palestinian lives than Hamas does. And the best gift that Israel could give to the Palestinian people would be to destroy Hamas. Maybe, maybe then uh, cooler minds would prevail and maybe you could get a two-state solution. But with Hamas, Hezbollah, and Iran, uh, there's not going to be any two-state solution or any solution at all. It's just going to be continuing warfare. Final question, Professor. And again, thank you for your time. The, sure. um, the Abraham Accord participants, 
have yeah. been very quiet about the Israel-Hamas conflict, and even Saudi Arabia, who hadn't joined the accords that seemed like they were very close to it before hostilities broke out, have also been very quiet. Do you think that these are genuine allies of Israel going forward based on their current posture? Well, I don't think they're allies. I think their self-interest is in favor of uh, making together. peace with a stable, strong power in the Middle East. Look, the reason that Iran encouraged Hamas to kill so many is they were afraid of the Saudis and they wanted to destroy the prospects for that happening. Yeah. So I think one of the best ways of assuring that this won't occur is for the Saudis and the Israelis to make peace as soon as possible and for the Saudis to join the Abraham Accords. That will really, really tell the Iranians that they're not going to succeed in breaking up an uh, 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 increasing peace process in the Middle East. I hope that happens. I do, too. Professor, thank you for your time tonight. We're so grateful. My pleasure. Thank okay. Hi, Kevin McCullough. Wish there was an easier way to navigate the world of real estate. If only there was a way to learn from the best. Well, now there is. Saturdays at 10, our very own Dottie Herman, vice chair of Douglas Elliman, gives you the inside track to what is hot in real estate. Stay one step ahead in today's seller's market as Dottie gives her tips on how to make it through the tricky waters. Doesn't matter if you're new to the game or a seasoned vet. You need to listen to Eye on Real Estate. Dottie and her team of experts will guide you as sellers and buyers to make sure you're getting the best value for your property. Whether you want to become a real estate agent or work within the business, there is no better person to learn from than the great Dottie Herman. Why? Because she is the best. Period. <laughs> so tune in. Eye on Real Estate. Saturdays at 10 on AM 970, The Answer. That's I on Real Estate, Saturday mornings at 10 o'clock on AM 970, The Answer. Urgent Camp Lejeune settlement message. On September 6th, the government announced it will soon begin providing fast, guaranteed settlements to Camp Lejeune Marines, families, and civilians. Awards will range between $100,000 and $550,000 with an option for higher amounts. If you or a loved one spent time at Camp Lejeune and suffered cancers of the bladder, liver, or kidneys, leukemia, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, Parkinson's, or kidney issues, you may qualify for compensation and could be paid within 60 days after accepting your settlement with your VA benefits fully protected. You may be entitled to a significant financial award for your Camp Lejeune claim, but you must act now. Call the James Harris Law Camp Lejeune helpline now to get the compensation you deserve. We're already fighting for thousands harmed by the water at Camp Lejeune. Call now or you may forever lose your right to be awarded a settlement between $100,000 and $550,000. For your free evaluation, call 800-299-7878. That's 800-299-7878. 800-299-7878. AM 970, The Answer, Kevin McCullough, glad to have you with us. And every time at this time of year, we are glad to welcome our very good friends back from Food for the Poor because they are busy rescuing and saving lives in some 17 hardest-hit countries on planet Earth. Nitra Parmalee is here. Nitra, tell us how we're doing it this year. Well, we're inviting you to step into need. If you have resources and want to make an impact, if 2023 is the year you want to leave a legacy, we invite you to provide food for a family of four for a year. That's on the other side of a one-time gift of $175. 
uh, 855-919-4673. Your gift of $175 normally would feed two kids with food for the poor for the entire coming year. But if you give in the next 10 minutes, it's going to be matched. And that means four children will eat as opposed to two. 855-919-4673 or go to am970theanswer.com. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. Brandon Tatum is next on AM 970, The Answer. Once more from New York, Radio Night Live, here's Kevin McCullough. All right, uh, Kevin McCullough, glad to have you with us and kind of rounding out the broadcast. Um, this breaking news, well, last night while the debate was going on, um, in fact, right around this time, it was announced that uh, the U.S. was carrying out airstrikes on uh, different targets um, in the Middle East and Syria and Iraq and so forth. And uh, today, in fact, breaking news just a little while ago, the Pentagon is saying that U.S. bases in Iraq and Syria have faced four more attacks since we responded yesterday. The four new incidents bring the total for attacks on U.S. forces since October 17th to 46. I want you to think about that for a second. We've had our positions attacked. We're not in Israel. We're not talking about being in Israel. We're talking about our fortified positions have been attacked 46 times since 10 days after October 7th. In less than a month, 46 attacks. Three of the attacks occurred in Syria, two involving rockets, another being a drone attack. The attack in Iraq used drones, said the Pentagon. The U.S. reported three minor injuries in one of the Syria attacks, but the three other attacks caused no injuries and no damage to infrastructure. Three service members injured have already returned to duty. The U.S. is seeking to deter Iran from entering Israel's war on Hamas, deploying considerable assets to the region. Critics argue that the dozens of attacks indicate that the operation is failing. However, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure that I disagree with that assessment. I mean, I'm not, I'm the last one in the world to say woe is the U.S. when it comes to our military because I believe that we are we are that good. Even when we are at our weakest, we are still that good. But 46 attacks, and it's it, they're not even being reported in our media. You know, we've lost, what, two dozen uh, servicemen in the process of these attacks, and thank goodness none yesterday or today due to them but um we we have to we have to hold a firm line and it's not just israel that's involved in this now we are kind of playing you know tit for tat responding to these things and some would argue that maybe we need a stronger response period maybe a stronger message just needs to be sent who knows if we have the will to do that i pray that we do Friends, the world is a very dangerous place. I think you can realize that by just watching the headlines day in and day out. But that's why we need good information. That's why we need uh, honest brokers of information. And that's why I'm committed to doing that for you as long as I'm given the opportunity. 
I'm Kevin McCullough. We'll see you next time. 